welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another fun-filled adventure that is the GNT Show. And once again, I am joined by my co-host with the most, a man who believes his own press and has been describing himself as the podfather to me in texts, G. How are you going? I'm okay. <laughs> Another massive week in the world of rugby league. G, where do we start this week? Of course, Origin did dominate this week, but um, I've got I've got a heap of news. I am not covering the Huni Gallon fight. I think no. I think it's ridiculous, but I will start on again some sad news. Boyd Cordner's retirement after 183 NRL games, 16 games for New South Wales, and 20 for Australia. Um, the best description I heard of Boyd Cordner's career was actually a comb- and you won't hear me say this too often, is a combination of the way Paul Kent and Buzz Rothfield described him. They they described him as a person. His career won't be like his highlight reel won't be that impressive, but he just won. No, I agree. And he got and he got absolutely the best, the most out of his talent. You know, last year, or well, we talked about how he slowly seemed to be declining a little bit, but that's because any drop was significant for him. Because he wasn't the fastest, wasn't the most athletic, but he always he was tough, ran hard. He was tough, and in that seventy fifth minute, if they needed a charge, he'd come out of nowhere, run as hard as he possibly could while other people were tiring. He just relied on will and giving everything, getting everything out of himself. So it's just sad to see him retire early. He's only twenty nine. Yeah, from concussion. So, but to be honest, his long term health is the imperative, and it's um well great career. Boyd Cordner, he won. He did everything he possibly could. Couldn't do much more in the game except just play more games, really. And with him retiring, I've heard that it's opened up uh, the, the the salary cap position for the Roosters, so they've now got $9.3 million to spend. Of course. It will allow them to sign, you know, <laughs> whoever they want to, really. Correct. They're going to sign the entire Panthers back line. Yes, that's right. That's right. Nathan Cleary. Um, and also Jerome Luai and also Isaiah Yo and James Fisher-Harris. Speaking of retirement, Wade Graham's taking a month's break after another concussion on the weekend. It's the third one this season that's come from poor tackling, tackling technique. Uh, I mean, this was when, when the crackdown first happened, this is what I was saying, is that all the statistics, 60 or 70% of all concussions occur from the defensive player, not from a high shot. And this is Wade Graham taking a month's break. Wade Graham may not be back. He might be another Boyd Cordner. It's possible. He's played a lot of games. He's, you know, 30 years old. It's a possibility. So but hopefully we'll see him back on the field and in good health. Amen to that. Now, of course, this week also saw the... Fairfax poll of NRL players come out. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Did you? Yes. So um, yes, I didn't I think did. there was anything in the player polls that was a you know that was anything controversial. Craig Bellamy was voted the best half uh, for the best coach. Sorry, Nathan Cleary, the best half and the best player in the game, overcoming uh, overtaking Tedesco. Turbo was the best fullback voted. Um, Toto yep. the best winger. Manu, which I agree with, best center in the game. Luai and Monster were neck and neck. You could almost call it a joint award for five eighth. James Fisher Harris the best. Prop, Isaiah Yo and Kikau, the back row. It was basically the Panthers team. and um, Basically. Yeah, Harry Grant was the best hooker, but it, it, the interesting thing on the hooker side was how low Damian Cook rated. He really hasn't been playing well for a couple of seasons. And Appy Coruscant, from a New South Wales perspective, was really, from his peer group, well above Damian Cook in terms of the vote, uh, which I agree with watching it on the field every week. I, I think he's been the better hooker. I, w- I would agree with that, especially the last year or so. Damian Cook 
was a very aggressive hooker and an attacking hooker, and he's really paired that back. Maybe that's just tactical from a South's perspective, but he doesn't seem to be the same aggressive sort of take-charge hooker that he was a few years ago. I, I did find some interesting things in it, though. I mean, but like you say, it was dominated by really players that play for the, team, the top teams. But how many players come from the Panthers? It does show to me that there is a bit of fear of the Panthers amongst their peer group there is a bit of recency bias as well and i think also if you're getting dominated by a team then the center running at you with 50 other options looks like the most dangerous center in the competition you know to be honest if wonga blake played for penrith i think he'd be right up there as well so i i wonder where wonga blake was in the center voting i did find a, a bit of interest in how highly rts was still rated amongst all the categories that he was eligible for, which... Well, he's just great. The captain, the the fullback. The fact that he's not in New South Wales anymore and he's playing for the Warriors, and not everyone's like us watching every game on the weekend or, in my case, watching every game on the weekend. You just watch the tries. Of course. I don't watch a defence. I don't need to see that. Yeah, there's, it's amazing how you can condense your review of the NRL <laughs> down to 40-second highlights of the game. Yes, of so, course. Yes. So, but but um, RTS has been... Just right up there with Teddy over the last few years. Right up there. Defensively, footwork, whole lot. And his leadership. You know, I actually think his leadership's improved out of sight as well. I mean, you've got to remember, they've been playing away from home for nearly two seasons now. Yeah. I mean, look, other than that, I didn't really see anything too overly controversial, though. 73% of players hiding concussion symptoms so they can stay on the field. Well, that does that surprise you? No. No. Yeah. And this is why this is why they need to take this seriously though, right? It's the Warriors mentality that you stay on no matter what. It's a tough game. It's you a know? tough and sport. You don't want to let your, your teammates down. You're, you're giving everything for your team. You want to play. So I, I agree with the crackdown. Although the players don't. Well, it's good. It's a good thing the crackdown came to an end this weekend. Yeah, I know. It lasted a few weeks only. What other sport does this? I mean, just absolutely changes the rules and changes them back again in the mid-season. Football in Europe... <laughs> Football in the Serie A or the Premier League doesn't go, hey, we're leading up to the Christmas fixtures. We're going to experiment with 10 players on the field. And then two weeks after Christmas go, hey, that didn't work. We're going back to 11. Well, the the NBA sometimes does it, but not always. They occasionally tinker around with the stuff. Yeah, but not fundamentally like this was. Not fundamentally. They just... um make favourable calls in the playoffs for certain teams. <laughs> if anybody wants to Google the NBA and referee controversies, I think he's referring to Game 7, Sacramento versus the Lakers in 2002. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. So, I mean, it's ridiculous they cracked down on it for two or three weeks. I agree that it's needed, but, you know, it ended pretty fast. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Nothing else, T, sort of came jumped out at me, to be honest. Oh, I got a few. I got a few more to go. I did note that in 2020, one of the um, top five was... Blake. Players aren't always the best judges of these awards. The sledging, Will Chambers, far out. What a surprise. What a shock. Oh, well, he's played like three games. Yeah, what a shock. Teams you love to still beat. The Broncos are right up there and they're coming last. So, <laughs> How hard is that, really? I mean, really. One other thing that caught my eye was, um, is there enough talent for a 17th team? 85% of respondents said yes, definitely. I, I would agree with that. You've changed your tune since earlier this season. But I think for one team, there definitely are a lot of players that don't get a fair fair rub or a fair opportunity and never really get a chance. So I'd imagine... The... You think the players aren't getting a fair rub? By the physio, yeah, but not by um, some of the coaches. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know where that's going to go. Let's just move on. G yeah. will be hosting his own... 
X-rated solo podcast next week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's just where the that's G show going. But no. it's, his new podcast is called the G Spot. The funny thing was all the rule stuff. Basically, do you like Peter Valandis? Yes or no? Was rated very highly by the players. They don't like him very much. All the rules. Well, I mean, they just feel like there should be more of a process than one man just making decrees on parchment out the front of the yeah, yeah. house. So. That's understandable. So, can I just mention a couple of other things? Yeah, sure. Well, the NRL crackdown being a back down. Yes. So the games are miraculously getting closer now that we're refereeing them differently. What about all the stories that leaked out of Saints land this week? Oh, the Matt Dufty hit piece. Well, the Matt Dufty the hit Sydney piece, Morning Herald. which oh, was clearly please. leaked by the club, clearly oh, it leaked was by like, the club. This is why we're letting him go. And there's an essay in the paper breaking down his performance. Well, and then a few days later, when they go, oh, Tyrell Sloan in our juniors, he's the new David Peachy. Well, where was this four weeks ago when you, when you first decided to let him go? Where was that bit of that yeah, story? It was the timing was it's a bit of a disgrace to be honest. I mean to use It's a personal hit on him. It's a personal hit and on he's him. He's a junior, like, he's a Saints junior. Yeah, and to say that he wasn't in the A gap and they Because the fans are up the fans are up in up. Having said that, that A defender point about Matt Dufty, his position in defence is terrible. You've brought that up a few times. And it's true. All of that is true. So I do, th- I can see why he will struggle to find another club. But I will also say this. They are a completely different team in attack when he's on the field. They've, he's won them games, a multiple number of games in the last couple of years, whilst he's got a crappy team around him. And I think, whilst I agree with you in terms of sometimes around the positioning... It's more than sometimes. Yeah, but that went into extreme detail about he wasn't there for a grubber. and blah. We can break down every fullback's or low light reel and break it down that way. You know, if you're watching the defensive side of it, like he did it again on the weekend. I don't know, when Jeremy Marshall King went over from dummy half, he was in the A defender position, which is first, basically the first defender out to the left or the right of the ruck. You know, he's just, he's constantly, which is the right position to be in, but he couldn't hold on to him and he just went over him. And then there's other times when the grubber goes in and he's on the left-hand side of the ruck when he should be on the right. and you know, I don't think he grew up as a fullback, so I think some of that positional play is new to him. Possibly not, and I think he would do a lot better with a, a coach that helps him along with he that. He needs a Brian Smith. He doesn't need an Anthony Griffin. He doesn't need a motivator. He needs someone to technically show him where he needs to be and what he needs to do. Like a, like a Warren Ryan, like a Warren Ryan. Someone like that, that can show him... Mate, I, I'm trying to teach you the tactics here rather than Anthony Griffin is more of a motivator, right? And of a, of a specific group of players, a.k.a. the 2008 Broncos. 100% agree with you on that. Like, I think he's got elements to work on, but the thing is you've got one of the more dangerous players offensively in the whole of the NRL. You know, surely instead of just casting him adrift, you try to work on him. And to be honest, if they think Cody Ramsey is the answer, he's not. No, apparently it's Tyrell Sloan who reminds everyone well, of David Peachy. Well, yeah, Peachy. Of course, David Peachy, yes, But only this week he he's reminded them of David yes. Peachy. He didn't remind yeah, them of, of David Peachy four weeks ago. And they and they and they let Corey Norman go, which I think is the least surprising news in NRL history. Has anyone been watching the Dragons? Probably no. <laughs> Actually so. I, I mean I, I mean the, the uproar about letting you know you know Corey Norman go I'm like, have they been watching a different sport? Has anyone actually been watching him play? Uh, Corey Norman, when engaged and on, is a fantastic player. The problem is he does that four or five games a year. Well, it's a lot of money for four or five games a year. That's that's the thing. Would I have him as a backup 
half, maybe, but the thing is, he wouldn't take that anyway. So. Yeah, but 400 grand a year, right? No, 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 not That's 900 right. or anything like that. And I think at that point, his value, because he can probably play four or five games a year. But Well, and if you're a top team and you've got, you're losing players to origin and you're losing your half, like if he was on three or 400 a year, why wouldn't the Panthers sign him? He'd never play first grade while the while the team's there. But when, when they lose them for six weeks in origin, like he's a better option than Tyrone May. Oh, yeah, heaps better. G- good point. I think that's someone that they should sign. To be honest, if I were them... And and with and with Nico Hines leaving Melbourne, I think I think that could be a destination for Matt Dufty as well. He's he's the he's the he's the Bellamy type. He works on his game. Other than fullback, though, I don't know where else you can actually play Matt Dufty. So he's almost a specialist fullback. To me, he's like a a clone of Pappenhuysen. He would do well to go to Melbourne and work on his game. You've seen the improvement in Ryan Pappenhuysen. It'll be great if he went to Melbourne and improved his game as well. And do you know what? At Melbourne, he's going to play 10 or 11 games a year anyway. Yeah, well, and but one thing I do, and I'm always on the side of making players lighter. I do, I do think Matt Dufty needs to put on a bit of size. Yeah, I don't think there's much to work with, <laughs> work with there. There's not much to work no. with, but I mean, he's physically... So Some of the missed tackles are he's just physically outmatched. He's just Ge- small, yeah. Yeah, and course. if Jeremy Marshall King's getting over the top of you, I think that's a problem. Although he made a massive difference to the dogs, which I know you cel- you celebrated by tipping Saints. Of so, course, yes. <laughs> and losing a bet about them. You are the worst oh, fan yeah. ever. Can we move on about this? Last news. Last news of the week. The news about the 2023 salary cap. An email? What is with the NRL and actually emailing this stuff rather than calling a meeting? I didn't see this. Yes, so, so he sent an email about the salary cap in 2023 saying budget on $9.3 million. And the reason they've done that is because the free-to-air TV rights haven't come through, right? Yes. So okay. they don't know what the budget's going to be, the salary cap's going to be. They've said budget $9.3 million with ratchet clauses for everybody. So okay. if the salary right. cap ratchets up, they you, you get the extra proportion that goes to the players. Yep, fair enough. Really? 2023. I reckon there's a lot of players under contract already for 2023. <laughs> it's a relatively short period of time to be projecting out your cap. Now, some of the clubs have budgeted on $10 million. So the NRL has gone with a low figure and told them to ratchet it, even though some of these clubs have gone with a figure of $10 million because that was the guidance the NRL last gave them. If you oh, now, I'm not God. saying the nine point three million is right or wrong, but if you've set the expectation that it's ten million, and then you they're going to do the projections, you think, based you think on I've got to do the nine point three, you probably oh. want to call a meeting rather than sending an email. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to just say, you know, this could be controversial. I might, yes, I might get very, all the people around very. the table and we'll have a conversation about this. No, that's not how they work. The good thing is at least they told him in advance, sort of. Well, and then they said they consulted the CFOs of the club and then it came to it came to the news that they only consulted seven of the CFOs. Oh, my, I love this. Like, this is great. Don't they think this is going to come out? Or they, do they just think <laughs> that no one's going to care? No other sport in the world <laughs> does this. It stays not even half. Life. Like, at least, me, at least make 50%. Oh, this is great. Far so you out. missed that news, did you? Yeah, I did. It's not. That. It's not like you host a podcast or anything about rugby. No. League. All right, let's get into the preview. We are we are going to try and be snappy this week because um both G and I have been burning the candle at both ends by watching the Euros. So, yes, so we have been. So we, 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 which has been fantastic. Can I say day three? Fa- other than the first game, fantastic. It has been really good. Favorite game so far. Then before we get started. For me, in the Euros, yep, uh, three yep. two Netherlands Ukraine, three two. 
I really enjoyed that game, and the other game that I kind of enjoyed was um, Scotland, the Czech Republic, an eventful game. So, eventful game, eventful game. And our thoughts with Christian Eriksen, right? Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Can I say occurrence. England look good, Belgium look good, Italy look good, Spain, despite it finishing nil all, Spain were brilliant. They were brilliant. So it's 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 looking quite nice at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it's going to be a Euros. great comp. Some good football, and yeah, Christian Eriksen, terrible scenes and terrible situations. So lucky he's um they revived him at pitch side. And he's okay. Incredible. Before we get into the round 14 review, let's cover yep. off State of Origin. And of course, this was a tight, very <laughs> typical State of Origin game played in Townsville. It was a festival-like atmosphere and, and New South Wales blew away Queensland with both Tommy Turbo and Latrell Mitchell shining. In the end, yep. New South Wales ran out just 50-6. to six. Winners just 50-6. to six. Yeah, not um, even close. Not even close. L- Latrell com- completely outpointed Dane Gagai on the left and the Queensland right edge, and Gagai, along with DC, leaked like a sieve down that right edge. They, they were defensively terrible. Um, they got targeted yeah. by Luai, Latrell, Toa, yes. and Tommy Turbo. Tommy Turbo played like a second fullback, a bit like what we... He did. Suge- you know, this, this is what I was suggesting with Joey Manu We spoke and about Teddy. it, right? Yeah, Yeah, should course. do for the Roosters. That was exactly what I meant. Like, So you could almost... You, whilst there's centre on his back, there are times when Teddy's chiming in and times when Tommy's chiming in, and I think he did that yeah, really well. Yeah, why not? And you know and, what I love? It's like, this is revolutionary, but that's how they used to play football 30, 40 years ago. Just slower. No, well, I'm not saying it's football 30, 40 years ago. What I'm saying is you still keep the structures. Mm. But yeah, yeah. This stuff is out there to be done. It's just... No one's got the guts to do it. Yeah, we've just got to teach people how to do it. Yep. And that's why I love Freddie. Freddie loves playing attacking football. And when he goes against his instincts, it doesn't quite work. But he's he loves giving players a chance to show their skills which is awesome. And and I thought Luai and To'o were both great on debut, but um, Christian Welsh was an enormous loss for them early. I mean, we, we in our preview, we mentioned um, his defence in the ruck and his line speed and the pressure he puts on kickers. And the, he, he is an underrated, very, very good player. And that was a huge loss for them because then Nathan Cleary could basically steer the game wherever he wanted. New South Wales completely outclassed Queensland. But can I just say, Jack White and, and Jake Trebojevic both didn't do anything. No, but Jack White and... I can't believe they were even thinking of picking him ahead of Luai. Like, I mean, Luai has been almost the best 5-8 in the conference. I actually years. wouldn't pick either of them for game two. I know you don't change a winning team. No, I wouldn't. And Tarek Sims, I'd drop him too. Well, I thought Tarek Sims was good. Yeah, but the team won 50-6. to six. Like, No, but I thought Tarek, Tarek Sims, Sims was part. He was involved. He threw that amazing pass. He played well. I wouldn't drop Tarek Sims after a performance like that. But in a closer game, you might need that utility position. And rather than Jack White, and I, I, I think... Probably Gutho's deserved that position. It's Gutho or Cody Walker. Fullback, 5'8", centre, they can both fill in at a pinch. And I just think maybe one of the bigger props, I mean, either Junior Polo or Payne Haas should come into the lineup for Jake Trebojevic. I'm, I'm not sure Jake is more mobile than Payne Haas, I've got to be honest. No, he's not. And Angus Crichton then probably should come in for Jake Trebojevic. Angus Crichton comes in, that's right. That's what yep. I do. So just fantastic. So just a couple of things. Queensland missed 52 tackles. They won the six again, 8-1, and they made 14 errors. Luttrell had two tries, two try assists, 167 metres, 10 tackle busts, two line breaks and one line break assist. Tommy Turbo had three tries, one try assist, 215 metres, five tackle busts and one line break. Just, they were, both centres were superb. For Queensland, Harry Grant looked good from dummy half early, but then he faded like the rest of Queensland. I mean, the interesting thing for me out of origin was... After the game, Paul Green indicated he let things go in the lead-up with the players and would have liked to have better connect with his players. That is as damning a, 
a statement as you're going to get from a representative coach. What? Oh, my God. I think New South Wales could sweep Queensland after a comment like that. He's clearly not connected with the players. He hasn't. And to be honest, there's a golfing class. They're just, we like we said, they couldn't keep it tight. Once New South Wales got freedom to play an expansive form of football and Freddie changed his tactics by having Tom Trebojevic roam around, they just can't cope. They've got all this superior attacking talent. They've got Luai, they've got Toro, they've got guys that are not scared to throw the ball around and try stuff. And to be honest, Queensland just doesn't have the pace to match them. Like, I thought Capewell tried hard, but he got skinned alive just about most of the game. You know, he, he did his best, but there's no one really else. There's no one else to really come in. They, they tried hard at times, but they're just not good enough to stop New South Wales. And I think next game will probably still be a 30-plus victory as well. I think the next game will be closer, but I, I yeah. think New South Wales will sweep them now. Um, I think the hyperbole at the beginning of the game was one of my highlights. Well, from Phil Gould? From Phil Gould and Rabs won the 27,000 people, you know, the most maroon colours I've ever seen since 1989. I'm pretty certain Suncorp fits about 60,000. And there's not not much, not not many blues in there. Yeah, not many blues in there. Um, also, it was the fastest game I've ever seen after the first 10 minutes. Um, Christian Welsh is the best prop in the game. And if he was playing, everything would have been different. They would have won. And, you know, Queensland's really looking forward to Josh Papali'i coming in in the second game. Like, that's going to make a difference. Because because he's been playing so well for Canberra. That's right, yep. Yeah. And the other thing is he congratulated the Titans for, you know, making up half the Queensland team. But I don't think Rabs Warren's been watching the Titans defend this year, which showed up in the 50-6 result. But to be honest, just too good. Um, so there was some good plays from Queensland. I thought Capewell's one-handed dummy for his try was, was really clever. I like that. But Trebojevic, Mitchell... Just honestly unbelievable. Although Mitchell, he's he showed a lot of guts. Unfortunately, those guts were hanging out of his New South Wales. Mate, he jersey. hasn't been training while he was out. No, he? no, he is he is carrying a bit of pud. He is carrying a bit of pud. A lot. He's carrying it, and he's young, and he can get away with it. In a couple of years' time, it will start to weigh. Could him. you imagine like, how good he would be if he had five kilos less on him? I would love to see him in top physical condition like like you say that extra five kilos just his his speed and his acceleration would be even more frightening and he wouldn't lose his power and the tight jersey is doing nothing for him no Paul Luttrell probably could have got it away with that a few years ago but now the jerseys are skin tight so let's move on to our round 14 review then so first up for us is that there was no Thursday night game obviously with Origin played on the Wednesday Manly versus the Cowboys was first up with the early kickoff another tight game in the NRL uh, Manly getting up 50 to 18 he was tight for a while well no Tommy well that's right I'm glad I didn't tip the Cowboys though do you know anyone who did I may or may not have, yes. Yeah, fair enough. No Tommy Turbo for the Seagulls, but DC and Jake backed up uh, less than 48 hours after Origin with Val Holmes and Cohen Hess, who didn't play in State of Origin, also backing up. Um, the Cowboys yep. got off to a good start in this game. They were up 12 nil with ten min- within 10 minutes and managed to hold on to a 12-10 lead until about six minutes to half time. when for some reason, for, for some inextricable reason, I don't know what it is with the 30-minute mark, their right edge completely collapsed. I mean, extraordinarily so. They conceded three quick tries to be down 28-12 at halftime. Manly then scored another three tries in the first 25 minutes of the second half. And by that point, the Cowboys had conceded 34 points in about 32 minutes. The game finally finished 50-18 to and DCE was absolutely superb. But it shouldn't, I don't know why that surprised me, given um, he, did, he didn't do anything on the Wednesday night and he had to... So given he wasn't trying on Wednesday, he was fresh for the game against the Cowboys. So fantastic. Tom Dearden made his debut for the Cowboys and was diabolical. 
The Cowboys' right edge missed a combined 12 tackles. Dearden missed six. Javid Bowen missed four. And Justin O'Neill missed two. They made Brad Parker look like Mark Gasnier out there. He did. I know. It was like, it was like, they made him look like Mark Gasnier. It was Kieran Foran's best game back at Manly and, and Ruben Garrick's best game at fullback, deputising for Tommy Turbo. What did you think of this one? Look, I thought the Cowboys were looking good. I mean, it was 12-10. They were ahead with six minutes to go in the first half. And at halftime, it was 28-12. Can you imagine? Like, it's unbelievable, right? Three tries I mean, can't they waste time? Yeah, kick the ball out. Kick the ball out and take some time going to the scrum. I I just thought, like you say, they fell apart. But what does it say about Tom Dearden, that he couldn't arrest the momentum back with six minutes to go? Cam Cam Smith team doesn't concede 18 points in six minutes before halftime. He brought in his Broncos form, um, but and he was terrible I, I, in defence. He was he was a big he was a big problem on that right edge. He was part of the problem for the Cowboys. I mean, it just collapsed. It wasn't that very right good. Edge. And I thought, you know, once once they let in the two or three of those tries, and Manly just hit the accelerator, and once it was twenty eight twelve, it's like game over. Yeah, it was. Six, they literally won the game in te- that ten minutes before halftime, or five or six minutes. But they didn't show anything in the second half either. The Cowboys. I mean, they just no. they, they were they gave up. They gave up basically in a way. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that came out of this game for me was I thought Dez's move of Garrick to fullback really paid dividends earlier in the year. I know he had um, Walker there. Garrick's quicker. He gets involved in the game. It really, it really showed for me how much pace Dylan Walker's lost. A lot. You remember when he first came out at South, how electric he was? And, and, he's and they just, used to play in the centres. He was so quick. Yeah. Right? I'll tell you what, teams aren't going to want to play Manly. To be honest, I wouldn't want to play them because if they, they hang with you and can sort of grind you in defence a little bit and keep the score close, they've got the strike power to rack up some points. So they, they can be a tough out, I'd say, if they're at full strength. So... And Garrick's confidence has grown since the start of the year to the point where now he, he looks at counter-attacking. His 90-meter trial was sensational, and he wouldn't have probably tried that earlier in the year. I just thought Manly, once they sort of settled, they just had too much firepower, and some of their players are playing with a lot more confidence than they did earlier in the year. So too easy for Manly in the end. But, you know, the Cowboys far out from 12-10, you know, basically at half time to lose by 40, I mean... Pretty disappointing. Well, they conceded 34 points in 32 games, and I uh, 32 yeah. minutes, and I just think, uh, look, I mean, whilst it was quite a predictable round of league, there were there was a couple of good games in amongst it. The the Origin factor. I mean, it's just it's hard to draw a form line through games during Origin. So it is, it is. The second game on the Friday night was the Sharks versus Panthers, and this was actually one of the good games, right? The Sharks got off to a good start with Matt Moylan turning back the clock. Off a bad missed tackle by Paul Momorowski and Charlie Staines, yeah, on the Panthers' right edge. It was a great bake by Mulatalo. I like how aggressive Mulatalo is. Yep, big difference for the Sharks. He's made a big difference coming back. He certainly has. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Wade Graham had another HIA off an awkward tackling technique and didn't return. They tried to pass it off as a leg injury, but he's now said he's taking a month off. And and, and when the Panthers failed to defuse an SJ bomb that Ramian recovered and then passed back to SJ to score. The Sharks were up 14-0. And then Mulatalo scored in the corner with four minutes left in the first half, and the Sharks went into it, went up, went into halftime up 18-0. Despite the accolades that Matt Burton got about his second half performance, the Panthers' execution in the first half was terrible. And and a lot of that was on Tyrone May and Matt Burton, who executed terribly and looked disjointed. I don't think Matt Burton... Matt Burton was terrible in the halves last week. He was terrible in the first half in this game against the Sharks. And then he actually wasn't that good in the second half. He just concentrated on his running. 
So they, they did a lot of the playmaking came from Appy Coruscant as opposed to Matt Burton. Matt Burton just concentrated on running. My question to you is, is he a better center than a 5'8"? It's going to take him time to adjust to 5'8", but from what I've see, seen so far and the way he plays, he's more a runner that has got ball skills than he is an organizing type of game-directing fight or half. His passing's not great. I, I think his game organization's okay. He's got a big boot. He's, he's, to be a top-line half, his passing needs to improve. He, he, look, he looked lost out there at times, right? I think he's more an opportunistic. He's almost like a fullback that chimes in, then just can give a long or short pass. He I needs don't know broken if he's a field, and yeah, so I agree with that. I agree with that. Because as a centre, he can concentrate on his running, come from deep, and as we've spoken about before, he the angles he takes and how he times his runs. It's like he reads the game amazingly well, but when you're dictating the play and trying to be the playmaker, that's a different look that you need to have. And he's got vision, but I'm with you. I'm not quite sure if he's ready to be a five eight yet. He seems more suited to be a centre. Well, he's, he's, he's an upgrade on Kyle Flanagan, though, for the for the dogs, right? Like you, I thought Penrith struggled with Tyrone May. Tyrone May doesn't give them enough punch when he's running the ball. He doesn't run the ball. Well, he doesn't I mean, challenge that, the, the line. Panthers did dominate the second half, and, and Matt Burton and Tyrone May improved in the last 20 because they concentrated on the running the ball. And Api Coruscant took more control in the end. Um, so that made a big difference. In, you know, in the end, I think the Panthers will feel aggrieved, particularly with a few minutes to go. When they had an overlap, and this was my favourite point of the weekend, when they had an overlap on the left, <laughs> and Crichton thought he had put Robert Jennings away to score the match-winning try with like two minutes left, only for him to be tying up his shoelaces on halfway. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I think Brad Fittler said it on commentary. Why didn't you wait till the end of the game? <laughs> a minute and a half to go, and the Sharks went up the other end, and Sean Johnson. Hit the worst field goal to win a game in the history of, in, a, in the 113 years of rugby league. But the, the Sharks, it was a weird it game. It was a weird game. But it was tight. It was tight. I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining. It, well, hey, what other game had someone Robert Jennings. The, and, then, and then they tried to pass it off like it was an injury. It wasn't an injury. He was tying his shoelaces. <laughs> it's... Um... Why don't you wait for a break in the play? Why didn't he send an email? Oh, Why didn't know. he send an email to Crichton saying, "Hey, just tying my shoelaces. Catch you on Tuesday." Well, if it was the if it was the NRL, they would have told the other winger, not, oh, not Robert Jennings. They would have spoken to Ronaldo Mulatalo. Look, the Sharks are. You know what? They're starting to hit a little bit of form with SJ back, with, and with Mulatalo, they're kind of playing okay. Like they might sneak back into the eight again. Because well, those bottom positions in the eights up for grabs, right? Yeah, they're up for grabs, and they're they're looking okay. And it was good win. Okay, Penrith has struggled. T, we've spoken about that without the Origin stars, but they still got a pretty decent side, and Cronulla beat them. Good win for the Sharks. All right, so if we move on to the Saturday games, first up, this was a cracking game: it was the Titans versus the Roosters. Cracking, crazy, it was crazy. Like it was it. like you, you could watch games for five years and not see a games game like this. The Roosters led eighteen four at half time, uh, but the Titans dominated the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes of the first half, and their attack was really poor. The Titans in the first half, um, highlighted by the fact that the Titans actually had thirty one tackles in the opposition twenty versus the Roosters two. This is all first half, and had fifty seven percent possession and sixty nine percent territory. And they could only score one try, and they were down eighteen four. Like it was just, it was just their, their their attack in the first half was was terrible. And I and I thought, well, this this I wonder what G's going to say about Jim Dimmick. And Jared Warrior Hargraves was playing his two hundred and fiftieth game, and and he held he held the Titans up twice in that first half. 
in between those first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes of the first half, the Roosters put on three converted tries. Two set up by Sam, Work, Sam Walker. Um, he did also miss Jamal Fogarty on the Titans try, but they had a whole sustained pressure right towards the end. So they were up 18-4 at halftime. It was an eventful start to the second half with Tino going off for a HIA. Bad head clash between Ash Taylor and David Fafida with only Fafida getting an assessment, <laughs> HIA assessment. And then Sam Walker hurting his good shoulder. Um, so all this yeah, happened at know. the beginning of the second half. Meanwhile, the... Con- the Roosters continued on their merry way, getting up 30-4. to four. This is when the game changed. So they're up 30-4. to four. The Titans then mountain, mounted one of the oddest comebacks you're ever going to see, with Jamal Fogarty taking a quick tap when the Roosters weren't ready and stepping the trainer, <laughs> which was great. And then Ben Marshke getting binned for a high shot. How about the trainer pushing the player to try Correct, and correct. I would have pushed him harder. <laughs> Ben Marshke getting it was it was your boy Adam Kieran he was looking after so yeah was, Ben Marshke yes. getting binned for a high shot whilst he was off Tyrone Peachy Brian Kelly and Tino scored to make it thirty to twenty eight with twelve minutes to go and Kevin Proctor then scored five minutes later for the Titans and they took the lead thirty four thirty the Roosters led thirty to four at the fifty sixth minute mark and then trailed by thirty four to thirty at the seventy fourth minute mark. The Titans went from having that diabolical attack in the first half to scoring 30 unanswered points in 20 minutes on the Roosters' defence. Yes. It's just in in one game you got everything the Titans are about. Uh, That's what I was going to say. My notes were that is pretty much the Titans 2021. Oh, my God. And Joey Martin. But the game's not over yet. They're up 34-30 with a few minutes to go. And Joey Manu then set up Ikevalu with four to go to tie the the scores at 34-all. Adam Kieran was off the field, so Sam Walker took the conversion and missed. However, he made up for it after Jamal Fogarty dropped the ball by kicking a field goal with one minute to go uh, for the Roosters to get up in the end 35-34 and win the game. JWH and Angus Crichton played 80 minutes each and were absolutely superb. For a front row forward in the modern age to do 80 minutes at that level of intensity, fantastic. Joey Manu and Ikevalu were great too. Um, And Jamal Fogarty... For the Titans, he absolutely sparked their second half. So what a game. Eventful, exciting, crazy, to be honest. Some of my takeaways for the Roosters, Fletcher Baker looks more impressive every week. I like the look of him. I thought Joey Manu took a while to adjust at fullback for a while, even though the Roosters were ahead. But as the game wore on, he started to find where he can make an impact and started to really... Can I tell you what I think it is for Joey Manu? He's so good, I think he picks and chooses his moments. Quite possibly. What I mean by that is he'll, he'll interject when he needs to interject. If his team's up and they're winning and he doesn't need to do too much, he doesn't do too much. I think you might be right because that's the way it kind of appeared, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like he sort of, when they were on top, he was sort of involved here and there. But then it's almost like when he needed to do something, he would then all of a sudden pop up everywhere and start to really impose himself on the game. You know, Joseph Suwali, again, another impressive showing. Um, physically manhandling David Fafita at times. Bit of a scary thing. The kid's 17. How hard's Ash Taylor's head? Oh, I don't know, because David Fafita's head looks like it's made of... Well, it looks like so. a bowling ball, and Ash Taylor didn't have to go yeah. off, but Dave Fafita did. Some of Sam Walker's passing, and it's more his vision and his timing of his passes. Just brilliant. Like, he just gives it at the right time, with the right speed, in the right place for his runners. And, you know, that resulted in a couple of Roosters tries. The Crichton try, that was a double movement. I don't care what they say. He's, the ball carrying the arm hit the ground. His other arm hit the ground. And then he lifted himself off. That used to always be a double movement. Don't know what the hell happened there. 
Jaden Campbell, again, I thought did okay. He's slight, but he, he's got some fight, which I really like. He's got a bit of fire. And totally disappointed in the Titans, wondering what the hell is going on. And then it was like they were so far behind, they just threw caution to the wind. And what I liked about the deep, their attack in the second half is Fogarty started running at the line. He hasn't really been doing that. He's been shuffling the ball along pretty much all season. And as soon as he started getting more direct, he opened up some of the spaces for his outside backs. They don't have the fastest back line in the world, but um, you know some of the passes, the pass he gave to Brian Kelly for a tr- the try right at the end. We, oh, he's and ran a great line. line. And Brian Kelly, strange player, T. Great footwork, good on his feet, but then in defense gets beaten all ends up constantly. So it's like he loses his balance when he's defending, but in attack he's got really good footwork and balance. Um, he just doesn't want to defend. That's another part of it. And that's all I had. I just It was just a fascinating game. game in how if it... you can go back and watch it, do yourself a favor, go back and watch the second half in particular. Did you, what, did you watch the second half? Did you watch it live? I didn't. I had to watch it on demand, but why well, was technically that? I did. I was actually watching your team play soccer on the weekend. Thank so you. Titans, I don't know what to make of them anymore. I mean, we've spoken about this, but that is basically their season. Conservative brand of football, not really doing anything with the possession, floppy defense, and then literally within a 20-minute ban, whack on, like you say, 30 points or six tries against the Roosters' defense, who are brilliant defensively. Then somehow lose the game at the end as well. On top I know of after all that. I mean, what a game! I don't know. It's I hope they're, they're exciting, but God, they got some issues to sort of they iron do. out. They do. All right. So if the Titans Roosters game was worth watching, the next game's not. South Canberra versus Broncos? the Knights. No, oh, that's, South, no, South versus the Knights. South got up twenty four ten. It wasn't a good game. South no. never really looked threatened throughout this one, and long periods of this game was mediocre. Uh, in in the end. The class on South's left edge proved the difference with Alex Johnson getting another hat-trick. South's made a lot of errors in the first half and the Knights, you know, managed to narrow the South's lead to 12-10 at halftime. But I never really thought Souths were threatened. It was just a bit of an arm wrestle and a mediocre game. Once the Bunnies got two tries midway through the second half, the game petered out. Other than Alex Johnson for Souths, I thought Daniel Saifidi backed up from origin well. Um, Latrell didn't and I've got his fitness he really is a problem he was huffing and puffing and really out of shape there in the second half and and Jake Clifford showed some promise uh, in, in only his second game for the Knights and at halfback so I thought he, he looked good after transferring from the Cowboys but this is not a game I would re-watch oh no that's I just my notes were pretty much I thought Newcastle and South were sort of feeling each other out for a while the Knights kept it tight for a little while but any time South needed to score. They just did. And and they were a bit sloppy as well. Yeah, Cody Walker and AJ. I mean, Cody Walker, if you ever watch a highlight, just watch the highlights of Cody Walker. Just what what They just tore them apart when they needed to. But like you said, I felt like South were going through a little bit of a training run. And there's been a few games emotions, like that with right? South, yeah. And so I don't really know how good South's good is, if that makes sense. Well, their good is pretty good against Parramatta. Well, yeah, except for Parramatta. But they seem to do enough against some of these crappier teams, but without ever really looking impressive. What their real best is, I don't know. I'm not really sure. But but just Walker and AJ, just a class above. And whenever they needed to step up the gear, they did. There are a couple of instances, though, which I really did enjoy watching the game where you watch Cody Walker come into the line and you watch him hold his pass because he's watching the feet and the movement of the defenders in front of him. So he's actually reacting to what's happening and then deciding whether to give 
a spiral or a floating short ball or long ball. It's really great to see him. Like, you can watch him doing it, summing up where the, what the defense's movement is and then reacting to it. So, Cody Walker, amazing to watch. AJ, great winger, but nothing much else to come out of that game, I don't think, to be honest, T. Fair enough. Okay, so let's move on to the last game of Super Saturday, which is the Raiders-Broncos. Um, another game, the Raiders were never really headed in this one, getting out to a 22-4 lead after 32 minutes. And like previous weeks, they again conceded before halftime with Tessie New scoring a brilliant individual try, a little grubber in behind the line to make it 22-10 at halftime. But unlike previous weeks, they responded after halftime with tries to Josh Papali and um, Semi Balamai, and at, that extended the Canberra Raiders' lead to 32-10. Kobe Heather- Hetherington was then sent off. Um, controversially, I don't think there was anything he could do, and he ended up, and he ended up not getting a suspension. He only got a fifteen hundred dollar fine. Corey Harawira Naira was falling in the tackle, and Hetherington's shoulder made contact with his head. Um, so technically, you can understand why they three weeks ago definitely a send off. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where this rule is at the moment. I don't know what they do. They've really made an absolute hash of all of this. Um, Jack Whiten then danced through the Raiders' defence. Well, what you can call a defence, really. I mean, the game eventually finished 38-16. The send-off didn't affect the result. And for the Raiders, Sam Williams was good on the right. And Bailey Simonson was really good at fullback, especially um, that offload for the try to Valamai. Oh, great pass. Fantastic pass. Loved it. And 21-year-old Matt Tomoko was superb with 114 metres and a line break. I thought it was Papa Lee and Whiten's best game in a while too, that, you know, with, with, with five tackle busts and one try assist for Whiten. So what did you think? The, the main thing was I thought Bailey Simonson at fullback was excellent. Mm, he he was. was very direct. He got the ball on the move and, and that pass, a brilliant pass. Like he actually deliberately sliced between three defenders to give his winger space and then the offload around the corner, which was, which was awesome. And I thought he added a lot to the Raiders' attack. I know it was the Broncos. They were better without Curtis Scott. Tessie News' try was magical. I love watching that stuff. Even though, you know The Broncos didn't have much, but the Hetherington send-off, I agree with you. He couldn't do anything. The person fell out. Corey Harawira and Ira tripped over one of the tack- tacklers. But, but I mean, if that's and... a send-off and some of the other things, it's just it's, it's a dog's breakfast. The whole thing's a dog's breakfast now. Um, that would have maybe been on report, and then you assess it properly, but a send-off, it was not a send-off. It didn't matter anyway. The Raiders were always going to win. They were a little bit too good. The Broncos, I think they're going to bring back Shane Webke and Justin Hodges. And <laughs> they, need, they need to. They need I mean, to. Carmichael Hunt. Gene Miles. You know, Gene Miles. You know, I mean, what's next? You're going to put Michael Hancock in the halves? You're going to, is Kevin Walters going to actually go down? Willie, Willie Carter and Michael Hancock. Is Kevin Walters going to go down and start playing halfback? Like, Chris Johns in the centres. I don't know what they get out of bringing Carmichael Hunt back. I think it's great to see him back. I'm not sure what they're trying to do there at, in, in Brisbane. Here's what the Broncos need. The Broncos need a spine. They need a nine, they need a one, and they need two halves. Now, Adam Reynolds is one of those... Look, actually, Matt Dufty, might, maybe that's a good destination for Matt Dufty. They, they need a hooker, though. They desperately need a hooker. They've got a lot of athletic players there. They need, to, they need to inject some footy players in there. They've got some real problems, the Broncos. I mean, like, like it's years before they're out. It could be years before they're out of this. Because they've got great young talent, right? But the thing is, nothing's really working. If Adam Reynolds play that, plays that game, they don't win that game. No. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. They need more than Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds helps steer South around, but he's also got 
Cody Walker who creates magic and you've got Latrell Mitchell. Actually, SJ. If they can get SJ and Adam Reynolds together, that could be a good combination for them. That would be a good combination and to bring some of the young guys along, I think that would be a good idea. I think SJ has become underrated because he's had a couple of injuries the last two years and I think some people are sleeping on him. And if they get Josh Hodgson as hooker, I mean, then then, then you're talking about a, quite a three or four players and it's unfortunately it's in the spine. I mean, if they had Sam Walker and Reese Walsh there... That could be their halfback and five eighth pairing, right at the moment. Yeah, but they, you know, too small for the Broncos. That's the problem, and um, that's what it is. And the raid, the Raiders. I mean, you know, they won, and they didn't fall away in the second half, which is a sh- a big difference compared to what they've done previously. So it's a small glimmer of hope, but you can't play the Broncos every week. But I think Simpson's going to make a difference for them going forward. I really do. It took a load of pressure off. So let's move on to the Sunday games. We the first up, it was the Warriors versus the Storm. The Storm got up 42-16. to 16. The Storm went top of the table after completely dominating the Warriors. They led 18-2 at halftime. And we saw Brandon Smith and Harry Grant combine for one of the Storm first half tries, which is, it's a, it, it is, again, showing Bellamy's innovation, right, with two hookers. It's something that will be replicated. It makes a difference because they get that dummy half roll on off the back of each other. It really is something different if you know what you're looking for there. Cam Munster, again, was cited for kicking out, this time on RTS. The Storm went on with it in the second half, but not before Ken Mamolo got a hat-trick in his farewell performance before joining the West Tigers. Clearly didn't want to leave. His manager came out today and said that he was pushed out, so we wish him the best of luck at the West Tigers. And they are talking about, the, the Warriors are talking about getting Dallin Wateni Zelezniak. Well, they can have him. I think the Bulldogs are going to cover half of his salary, so... He's on eight hundred grand a year, G. So yeah, you're, I know you're still, that. You're still paying four hundred grand for him. My God. I wouldn't say our recruitment was very good a couple no, of years ago. No, for the Storm, Brandon Smith continued his great form along with Harry Grant and, and Nico Hines and Jerome Hughes also played well. But for mine, this game was never in doubt. I mean, Storm got nah. up. Storm were always going to win it. They went top of the table. Storm are on top now. I mean, maybe I'm influenced by excitement of watching Euro 2020 at the moment, even though we're in 2021, but. Are we at the point where we're kind of at a football equivalent where some teams like the Warriors playing Melbourne, they just basically defend for 80 minutes and hope to narrow the final margin? I hope you're not talking about the Euro game that I think you're talking about. What the hell? Like, are you going to try and score a try or are you just going to let the... Is it better to lose 30 to 6 than it is 42 to 16? Like, you know what I mean? I don't understand what the Warriors are getting at. Like, have a go. If you're going to lose... Go down swinging. They're, they're happy to get flogged or minimise the flogging. This is what I picked up from the Warriors all year, and they did the same thing to Melbourne. Yes, it was never in doubt, and Melbourne was going to win, but have a go at them. You've got nothing to lose, right? How much How much does the Storm and teams like that take the petrol out of the Warriors? You're tackling a lot, right? You're tackling a lot, and you're moving a lot. Yes, you've got to match their intensity, but you've also then got to throw something at their defense to break up their defensive patterns. You can't beat them with simple football. You need to be creative because they're so well drilled and they maintain their intensity for practically 80 minutes. Even in this game, even when the Warriors occasionally tried to throw something at them towards the end. And again, once they started throwing the football around, they scored a couple of tries, and the, but they didn't do it, do that throughout the rest of the game. It's been a pattern with New Zealand all year. It has been. It has been. So, you, so maybe you're right. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a tactic. Muamalo, bit of sweet tea. I mean, scores a hat trick. 
then he breaks down and cries. It was kind of great to see his passion, but also sad, you know, that he's he's leaving the club. He doesn't want to. Well, leave. Nathan Hindmarsh said that he's he's he was uh, he was crying because he's going to the West Tigers. Well, I would be too if I was playing for Madge <laughs> Maguire. But I mean, how many wingers and halfbacks and combinations do you need before you realise Madge, you might be the issue? I think there's some rumours that he might go to the Bulldogs as a step up from Trent Barrett. I'm joking. I'm joking. Probably is. But anyway. you nearly had a heart attack then. Yeah, I ne- I nearly did. But just Melbourne. Too much variety, too much class, short, long passing, like you say, the directness, the switch in dummy halves from Brandon Smith to Harry Grant, how they offer you something different. I mean just the, they just which, played they're just more sophisticated than the Warriors. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Nico Hines is getting better every week. Like yeah. he's now he's even more composed. He just it's almost like he's just slowly picking teams apart by what's happening on the field. And, and which it sounds awesome. like Ryan Pappenheisen's still a few weeks away. It's quite a bad... He won't be back for a while. And then they've got to try and adjust. Here's the one thing I think Melbourne's going to struggle with is they're starting to adjust to a different style of play now with Nico Hines, right? Is what happens when Pappenheisen comes back. They have to kind of readjust the way they attack. Do you reckon or do you reckon Nico Hines and Pappenheisen are just running set plays that they've got there? You see, I don't think that adjustment's going to be that hard. Because I think I think Nico Hines adjusted, slotted in, and I think it'll the same thing will happen the other way. Assuming Ryan Pappenhausen comes back at full full. Do you know what you've given me something to think about? That's actually a good point. It might just be the way they go about it as is different. Pappenhausen's all action. You know everything seems fast and on turbo, whereas Nico Hines is a lot smoother in his movement. So it might be the same thing. It just appears different. So you're pro- I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. And the only the other thing is I'll mention is Harry Grant. He's the evolution of Robbie Farah. Very similar player. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think Harry Grant's a good player. I, I don't think they are similar style of players. I thought Robbie Farah could easily have played in the halves as well. His ball playing is very, very good or was very, very good. I think Harry Grant's a better runner of the ball. Yes, you're probably right. He's probably a bit more direct running yeah, the ball. Yeah, I don't think they're quite the same hooker. Yeah, I just I just think Harry Grant's a better runner of the ball, but I think I think Robbie Farrow was actually if you go back and look at Robbie Farrow, he's like mate, he could do a short pass, long pass. He could, he could almost play in the halves. He was such a good passer of the ball. So, okay, so to the match of the round next, the last game on <laughs> on, on, on Sunday. Parramatta versus the Tigers. The eel, the mighty Eels got up 40 to 12. Parramatta had the weight of possession, 54% and and territory, 59%, along with 90% completion in the first half, and it told, going out to a 14-0 lead, 14 nil lead before Mitch Moses collected a gutho grubber and dropping it in the process of grounding it. You will never... You, you, I, I don't think I've seen a worse bomb try. <laughs> I don't think... It's pretty the bad. Closest I've seen, the closest I've seen is Dale Shearer Wait, trying to waste time grounding the ball and nearly ran over the dead ball line. You know how he used to ground the ball right at the end of the oh, dead yeah. ball line? For those who are under 100 years old, go YouTube Max Mannix and have a look at his bomb try. The greatest bomb try of all time. There's probably more. This but... was right up there, G. He picked up the ball. He just he needed just to, to fall down. down without dropping it. And, and he dropped it. And instead of a 20-0 lead, the Tigers went up the other end. And very next on the very next set, and Jacob Little went over under the post. And it was 14-6 at halftime. And I can tell you, I was spewing at halftime. And whilst Isaiah Papali had a barnstorming first half he really was explosive and dangerous he does give away a lot of set restarts he is very lazy around the ruck he's not a melbourne storm player by any stretch of the imagination no no he gives away he gives away a lot he's just he just hasn't quite got the timing right yet and how long to hold them for he's not inventing yeah new wrestling moves every tackle 
No, they don't call him the macho man Isaiah Papali for nothing. Ryan Madison then dropped the ball in the first set of the second half. And after the try, the Tigers scored just before halftime. I thought, oh, here we go. But the Tigers coughed it right, right back up. And when Bloor was sin-binned for holding Lusick back, Parramatta dominated down the Tigers' right edge, scoring three tries to get the lead out to 32-6. to When Parra got reduced to 12 as a result of Sevo's dangerous tackle, the Tigers kept attacking the Eels' right edge. But Dylan Brown... Opacic and Dunster, along with Sean Lane, were rock solid. How often have I said Parra's right edge has been rock solid? They were absolutely rock solid. Gutho then got an early mark with 10 minutes to go after his second try. It was 38-12 at that point, and the game fizzled out from there. But not before frustration got the better of both teams, with scuffles breaking out all over the field, and eventually the full-time siren blew, and, and, and we were never headed in the end, although just that period just before halftime and then the drop ball by Sean Lane afterwards got me a little bit nervous. Well, you add that try from Moses where he dropped it, it's 20 nil, and it probably just becomes a procession and a, and a flogging, um, and that at least allowed the Tigers a glimmer of hope, and they came back and scored when Brooks again was aggressive running the ball, and that lifted the Tigers for a little bit. But to be honest, outside of that little period, the Tigers, I just felt like, again, they're trying to grind out, play a tough style of football against a team that is far superior and does what they do a lot better with also added class across the field. So it was never going to work. And once that sort of, they went into the grind, I thought Paro just picked them off um, bit by bit as as time wore on. And they did start to tear them apart. I know this is one of the um, one of the struggling sides that they play, they're playing against, but they really seem to turn it on at times against some of the easy beats. And I thought Mitchell Moses running again and finding himself in space and actually running the football was a massive difference. Para. Now, they would have won that game regardless, but if I'm a Para fan, my takeaway from that game is they're a lot more direct in running the footy, and they really need to do that. Their players weren't passive. Dylan Brown was running and charging at the line and trying to step people, and Mitchell Moses, instead of just shuffling the ball along and trying to play make, was actually looking for gaps and space and just attacking it. He made a number of long breaks, scored a couple of tries. I think Para needs to have that variety to challenge the really good sides, and this is a good place to try it out. But then they've also got to try this football out against the good teams and not go conservative. They need Moses running at the line. He's a great runner. He's good on his feet. He's got good vision. They need Gutho attacking the line. They, they need all their players attacking, creating space because they're not a speedy side overall. Gee, I don't think this is the problem for Para against the good teams. Okay. I, I think defensively Para can do well. Uh, well, I, ironically, I actually think defence has been our problem. It's not, it's, not, it's not putting points on that's our problem. I mean, I agree with you. We don't look fluid. By hell or high water, we're getting over the line against the good teams. We're just, we're just defensively, it was a real problem for us, right? And Mike Acevo, as as damaging as he is, uh, is not a great read in defence. No, he's not the best in defence. Um, he his bulk and his explosiveness sort of and strength saves him, I think, a number of times. Wonga Blake, though, I, I, the move there at the moment seems to be working, and he seems to be getting more comfortable. They're not getting beaten as much. They played the Tigers. Now they're playing the Dogs. They got the Panthers in a couple of weeks ahead of Origin. That's the test. Good signs, a few good signs. You've got to take away some of the positives out of that. Easy win and a little bit more um, direct and dynamic attacking footy from the Eels, which is good to see. And we're up to the Queen's birthday game. It's that time of the week when we settle in. Fantastic hey, results. All right. With the Bulldogs versus the Dragons. Uh, have The Bulldogs supporters, I actually felt really good for them. I know they're our arch rivals, but you guys have been through a lot. Did you tip them? I may or may not have wagered Did you tip another... Them? 
another dinner on the Dragons winning. So you tipped the Dragons and you made a bet against your own team. That is the type of person you're listening to, ladies and gentlemen. So Bulldogs <laughs> Hour is, is a happy place. It's a bit of a nightclub. There's um, Peter Tunks in the corner there. Andrew Farrar. There's Terry Lamb. Terry, Terry Lamb's Lamb, yeah. serving behind the bar. Excellent. So, so um, fantastic effort by the Bulldogs. Uh, but you guys look really good. Your defence was excellent. You collected your second win of the season and thoroughly deserved it. The first 20 minutes was a grind and the Dragons got a try against the run of play, actually, to go up 6-2. And then Josh Jackson gone binned ridiculously, actually. I didn't think he deserved to be binned at all. I thought it was terrible from Jared Sutton. And, and instead of putting the cue in the rack, actually, you guys actually dominated and went up 8-6 at halftime. In the second half, the Dogs went on with it, scoring three tries. Defensively, the Dogs were great. Dominated up front. Luke Thompson and Dylan Napa, Jack Hetherington and Josh Jackson were all superb. Earl all really dominated the Saints. Adam O'Brien was great on the left edge. I mean, he was running at the try line like like someone's fiancé was in the in-goal area. Oh, just God. just single-minded determination to get into the in-goal area. It's like his best mate's fiancé was in there. So he did really well. But the spine, it's a long way from Dean Pay to Trent Barrett. I think there's a song about that. To get back to the same spine that Dean Pay had. And I wonder if Trent Barrett had trusted that a little bit more, whether you'd be in a better position now. Jeremy Marshall King made a big difference. Yeah, he, he did. Luke Meany was great at fullback, although probably the worst kicking fullback in... <laughs> in the game, and, and, and Wakeham, and especially Avarillo. Avarillo was fantastic. Now, he's a player, you know, the, the Dragons, where, where to for the Dragons? Fantastic result. I think Eels, Dogs this week will be quite close if you bring that level of performance. Best performance of the season, and it's not because they won. I thought the Dragons were terrible, but defensively the Dogs were solid, and they haven't really looked solid for most of the year, and that was their best game in attack all year. There were some really good signs. Aaron Shoup, he still randomly runs out. He's like the Wonga Blake for us in defence. But the Dragons couldn't make him pay for some of his um enthusiasm or exuberance in defence. But he's settling a little bit more in, into first grade, which is good to see. I think Josh Jackson has, because he's playing very much in the middle and not on the fringe, he's not getting caught out in defence. And I think he's actually closed some of the gaps that have been appearing in the middle of the field. Josh Jackson is actually a prop now. Yeah, he's added the mobility in the middle of the field, which they really needed because that's where they were getting carved apart just about every week. And Nick Kotricks and Hopawadi are starting to get the ball on the move a little bit deeper, which is allowing them to use whatever pace they've got, at least, and be a little bit more effective rather than catching the ball flat-footed. And Avarillo is picking his spots a lot more and starting to run the ball more, which is his real strength. And Wakeham's got, he's a slight kid. He doesn't have, he's not the most athletic kid, but he's got vision and he's got skill. You know, it's helping. And for the first time this season, Nick Meany was getting the ball and getting his hands on the ball in attack often and sometimes bursting through gaps and at least getting them on a bit of a roll on, not necessarily making breaks. So it was good to see Nick Meany there. But for the Dragons, I mean, telling Corey Norman you're not wanted, Matt Dufty knows he's not wanted. They've got, you know, they don't have much pace in the back line. I mean, they've got Gerald Beal, who they picked up out of retirement a few weeks ago. I wouldn't wouldn't use pace and Gerald Beal in the same sense. Yeah, I mean, look, he's done a great job just because no preseason just come literally off the street. But, I mean, they just didn't have anything. They offered nothing in that game. They were, they were, yeah, they weren't good at all. They weren't, they weren't good at all. Dufty was not involved the in the play. The I felt like they weren't there. And 
But when you find out that half their players are getting let go, well, you know, what do you expect in a way? They're, they're in the eight. And they're fighting for a position in the semis, and they turned up and played like that, I think, because their players aren't going to be there next year. So I think maybe next week they bounce back, T, but that was the week pretty much where obviously Dufty and, and um, Corey Norman had been told that they weren't wanted. And then you had the hit piece come out about Matt Dufty. He would have read that. So I, I think that might have played a bit of a role as well. I just didn't feel like they were, they were there in that game. But having said that, we had our best game of the season solid all around and and they won so a few positive signs there and good on them good on good, good on the long-suffering dog supporters i you know congratulations and 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 the joy exploded on my phone all right great great win for the dogs fans congratulations um but uh i hope it does come to an end this week after a, after your winning streak of one that's a massive winning streak this year can you believe that we are actually off the bottom of the table yeah, but the Broncos haven't had their buy. Well, that that doesn't matter. Um, but <laughs> after that on, time, and and by the way, you're still on the bottom of the table. I know, on, but on, after on that, for and against more hard hitting analysis from G. He's right all over it. I'm all over it. But yeah, great win, fantastic lads. Well great done, stuff. Well done, well done. Even though you're a Saints supporter last weekend, so oh, was. you didn't even watch them. You were at the Swans game. You didn't even watch them. I mean, it's just it's so pathetic. It's terrible. I was getting updates by text. You were from me. Yeah, and I was upset <laughs> because I made it. I know you were the only unhappy doggy supporter in Sydney. I mean, it was just terrible. Anyway, oh. if we move on, let's move on to the round fifteen preview. We said we're going to we're doing we're doing better this week. I, I, this feels quicker and punchier actually. So it only, it's only taken us sixteen seven hours. To yeah, get seven hours. Sixteen. We're we're finally into the groove. Back. Well, yeah. you're finally into the groove after like thirty yeah. weeks. Yeah, brilliant. So, <laughs> round fifteen. First up on Thursday night is the Broncos versus Souths up at Suncorp. It must have been yeah. that email you sent me. Yeah, three weeks ago about the head high <laughs> crackdown. Yeah, <laughs> and the salary cap in twenty twenty three. Pick up the phone. What the hell is they like? Call a meeting. Look. What is, I love people? it. It's Look, you know what? You got to laugh at it, but the thing is, I love it because it just gives us great stuff to talk about and laugh about every week. I'm like, let's right e- let's let's emails yeah. let's email seven of the clubs to let them know about. This. We've consulted with the CFOs. How many of them? Seven. How many in the comp? Sixteen. Didn't someone right. say, "Hey, what about the other eight? Nine, nine teams like yeah. what happened and i remember i had 15 teams at the start of the year so it's yeah, eight for true. me yeah. but didn't someone say hey there's 16 teams in the comp we probably should tell the rest of them anyway oh, it boggles the mind what goes on <laughs> anyway so first up in round 15 on the thursday night at suncorp stadium is the broncos versus south broncos are obviously the outsiders at five dollars fifty south are a dollar fifteen favorites broncos have 16 and a half points start is there a world in which Souths don't win this game? Yes, there is. If um, they don't turn up and have to <laughs> if they, forfeit. If they, have, if they have six injuries and have to forfeit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos really, who knows? Tyson Gamble, Carmichael Hunter in the halves. Oh, you know, wow. That, 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 yeah, should be, that should be massive, putting the yeah. fear of God into Souths. It absolutely will. Tessie News back at fullback. But, I mean, this is really a matter of how many, isn't it? I, I mean, think that's right. I think that's right. They're they they're starting to play some of these younger guys again, and I don't think you need to say any more, G. I don't think you need to justify it. I think I think I think the bunnies will get up. Yeah. So if you move on to the Friday night games, we've got the Cowboys versus the Sharks. 
Uh, the Cowboys are $1.71 favourites. The Sharks are $2.15 outsiders. And the Sharks have two and a half points start. Tight one. I think the Cowboys will get this at home. They won't have... Val Holmes will have a whole week's rest. The Sharks, let's be honest, were lucky in the second half against the Panthers. They were. They don't travel they were. well. And I think the Cowboys are pretty good at home. This is a really difficult game for me to pick. I The Cowboys... Last week, they'd been playing a lot better. Last week, they really were terrible against Manly. I mean, to just fall away like that and just get killed when they literally, they were in the lead with just over 40 minutes of the game remaining and they got flogged. So I, I don't know what I'm going to get out of them. I'm going to tip them because they're at home and solely for that reason. And the Sharks basically gave a 40, 45-minute performance last week and hung on and ended up sneaking a win against the Panthers. But... The Sharks are looking a lot better week to week. So I am torn. I will tip the Cowboys because they're at home. Like you said, I'm iffy about this game. It's a 50-50 yeah, it's a tough, for me. Tough, tough game to call. The game of the round is the 8 p.m. Friday night game on Channel 9, which is the Panthers versus the Roosters. Yep. Panthers are $1.31 favourites. Roosters are $3.50 outsiders. And the Roosters have 10.5 points start. I think Panthers will win this, but I think they're going to win this by less than 10.5 points. I... I don't. I'm like you. I think I'm tipping I think Penrith be because game. they're full I think strength. Be a close game, and I think the Roosters' defense is good. Yeah, and I think the Roosters now you got Teddy back. Jay Moss is back again. You know, Lachlan Lamb and Sam Walker another week together. They've got they've got their their big uh, most of their big guns back. So I I think it'll be tight. I think the Panthers will win because they're a better team overall. But I expect this well, to be a really Oregon tight game. Will be back in right. Yeah, um, they'll just have a little bit too much class. I think so. But honestly, this is I'm looking forward. I think this will be a good game. I think like it'll I be say, a good the Roosters' defense is excellent, and the the Panthers are going to have to play some good footy to to beat them. So it should be a good one. Okay, so the sat we move on to Super Saturday. Uh, first up on Super Saturday is the Knights versus the Warriors. The Knights are a dollar seventy one favorites. The Warriors are two dollars fifteen outsiders, and the Warriors have two and a half points start. I don't know. <laughs> is my simple answer on this one. By all accounts, Mitchell Pearce is very close to returning. Yep. He's been named. He's been named. You know, if Mitchell Pearce plays, is Kalen Ponga? Kalen Ponga's been named as well. So if both of those play, I think the Knights win. But like you said, you know, if they're a 50-50 shot. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I'll probably wait on this game if Ponga and, and Pearce play. If they're out, though. Oh, I'm tipping the Kay- yeah, Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors will get up, in my opinion. This this is another hard game to pick. Hard game to pick this one. Hard game. I ordinarily would pick the Warriors, but like you say, you've got Ponga and and Pierce as possibilities to come back. Another shift in the back line for the Knights. Honestly, T, their back line looks different every single week. For Kalen Ponga, Mitchell Pierce, if they play, it's a quantum shift up in class. It adds that dynamism that they need in the backs to take advantage of their forward pack. So, but Dominic Young, I thought looked okay last week. And Tuala went from wing, he's back in the centres, Heimel Hunt's back, like they're all over the place. And Clifford at least will have another week as well. Warriors just too conservative. Next up on Super Saturdays, the Dragons versus the Raiders. Cogra, Dragons are $1.80 favourites. Raiders are $2 and the Raiders have one and a half point start. What am I missing here where the Dragons would be favourites? I think the Raiders will get this and I think I, I think if it's the Dragons that showed up last week, I think the Raiders will do this comfortably. How are, how are the Dragons favourites? I, I don't... I don't... I don't know. I don't see how the... Dragons. The Raiders have got something to play for. The Dragons couldn't get themselves up against the Dogs when they've got something to play for. Yeah, and I know, you know, listening to the commentary too, Brandy said, oh, they struggle. The Dragons have struggled against the, the lesser sides and against the better sides. They've performed quite well. 
But like I said, I think Dufty's playing and they're going, hey, mate, we want you to win us the games and be so influential, but you're actually not good enough to and stay at the club. But also we're going to write a hit piece and put it out in the press. So to actually basically give a player scouting report, which they never do for anybody in the paper to justify their decision. Corey Norman, who's flat out getting motivated most weeks, now all of a sudden doesn't have a contract and he's out. No, but at least they got David Peachy now. Yep, the second coming of David Peachy's coming. You know, they just offered nothing against the dogs. And I thought at times Canberra looked... A lot better. They, they, Corey Harrow, we're an I was running his lines again and, and really making um, a difference. We spoke about Simonson at fullback, and I think he's given them a little bit more directness. And Tomoko had a good debut. So he did, he did. I don't understand how the Dragons could be anywhere close. I think the Raiders will win this comfortably. I think the Raiders will win as well. So, all right, there you go. There you have it, everyone. If you're listening to this, get on the Dragons. So That's last right. on last up on Super Saturday is the Storm versus the Tigers. The Storm are a dollar eight favourites. Tigers are eight dollars. The Tigers have twenty two and a half points. Start. It won't be enough. I think I think the Storm will win, and I think it'll be more than twenty two and a half. I think the signing of Ken Moore Marlow is going to make all the difference in the world because it's not Madge McGuire. It's actually the players. So they might lose by twenty four instead of thirty six to the Storm this week. The Tigers. <laughs> But um, I, I mean, waste too much time analysing this one, Jim. It's no point. I well, mean, one, 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 you get it wrong every week. I've seen that, your that's, tips. That's one, one of them. You yeah, get it wrong right. every week. Do I at least sound like I know what I'm talking about? The ti- there is no way the Tigers are going to beat the Storm. No, they can't. It's impossible. The the Storm are just too professional and turn up uh, and play to a standard that the Tigers can't match. So and, no they, and they play really good at Sunshine Coast Stadium, right? Which is their home ground at the moment. So Yeah, but you know what? At least a better performance from the Tigers this week. How about having a go and having a real dig over the 80 minutes and not just, you know, sort of lying over as a Tiger and getting your, your tummy tickled by the storm. Maybe, so. maybe you, should, you can send uh, Madge McGuire and Justin Pascoe an email like you've been known to do to the Football Federation. Uh, do you know what? How about I send them my cat? My cat's shown more tenacity than the Tigers this year. I don't, I don't think you can send a cat via post. No, you can't. Just checking. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the early kickoff on Sunday is the Eels versus the Dogs. The Eels are dollar eight favourites. The Dogs are $8 outsiders. They have a 20.5-point start. That's um, after a win. Fair, fair weather friend <laughs> over there will definitely pick the Eels, just the way he rolls. Please, they've got a 20-point start. Come on. If you're a real supporter, you'd back the doggies in after they've won. No, I, I think wouldn't. this game will be close. If you if you play like you did against the Dragons, this game will be close. I think Parrell's still win, but I, I don't think we're going to win by 21 points, 21 and a half points, if you play like last week. If you play like you have the other 14 weeks of the season... The twenty that will cover the twenty and a half. I don't know what to make of the team. Last week was a step forward, but I thought the Dragons were totally ordinary. Para can play down to the teams too. They can. Think of this Sean Russell guy that's been named. Is he on the wing? Is he any he good? Is, yeah, he is. They're, they're trying to give people a run out, right? Because Blake Ferguson's not going to be. Uh, Blake Ferguson may not play first grade again this year. I don't think he will. To be quite honest, he's not going to be there next year. And the way the salary cap works for us and and all the rest of it. I'm not sure we're looking to pay another six, seven hundred grand for a winger. No, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a lot closer. And only the only reason I say that is the Eels have made a few changes to their bench 
that suggests they're like you say trying to play some of the the squad players on the fringe and give them a bit of a run. So you got to remember the Eels didn't get a chance to rotate other than Junior Paulo. They haven't had any Origin reps, so they haven't had the chance like the Panthers to play the other team. So so I'm seeing a bit of a rotation in this game. Yeah. So uh, you know I think they'll win. I don't know if they'll cover the twenty. And 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 they've got the Panthers the week after, right? So yes, they, they are trying to manage the roster a little bit. So you can see that. Um. So I think the Eels win by about sixteen, but I'm expecting a better performance from the Dogs. I can't believe that that's an improvement. But yeah, Eels by 16 for me. Okay, great. And you'll probably tip the Eels. Of course I will. Yeah, okay. Rock solid you are. Rock solid G. Send send your feedback into rock solid. The podfather, as you like Solid to gold. Solid gold, podfather G. Last up on Sunday is the Titans versus Manly. The Titans are $3.10 outsiders. This game's on the Gold Coast. Manly are $1.37 favourites. The Titans, though, despite being $3.10 outsiders, have only got 7.5 points start. I mean, what do you say about this game? Like, after last week... I, I don't know what Titans team shows up. Who the I fuck knows know. what's going to happen in this game? Like, seriously. I think I know what I'm going to get from Manly. From the Titans, I've got no idea what I'm going to get. Greg Marju, powerful, steps past four blokes and makes five metres because he has no pace. Brian Kelly steps four players when he's got the ball and then seven players step him in defence. Jamal Fogarty, he's either arguing with the ref, I like him actually... Or he doesn't run the ball. Aaron Clark is a prop playing hooker. J- Jamal Fogarty and Ash Taylor on Tommy Turbo, when he loops back around, is not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Man, look, Manly's going to win this because they have far too much pace and strike power in, the, in their back but line. But this game could be 50-48 to 48 after Manly take a 50-0 halftime lead. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I honestly have no idea. I've been really disappointed in the Titans this year. They've made big signings. But fitness-wise and physically, they all look like they've been... You know, it's like they're training... You know how you have pictures on the wall, like at the gym? And like, you know, you people used to have pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these kind of guys. I think they've got a picture of, like, the Chesty Bonds guy, the Titans. So everyone's got this gigantic chest and they can't run properly. And they all look like they're... You know, they just do bench press all day. And physically... They're not right. Well, apparently, what I've heard is Justin Holbrook's emailed the players asking them to play better in defence. <laughs> <laughs> but he only told the, the back line and not the forwards. So he, he left out half the team. Yeah. And um, look... That's the second best story I've heard, right? The Ricky Stewart overhead projector oh, look. cutting half the squad at Parramatta. Just, just the fact that he used an overhead projector with the clear sheet is we just We used to brilliant. use those at school. That's how old we are, right? But oh, would you even remember how to use it? It's so, uh, it's so rugby league. Yeah, just I'm just disappointed in the Titans. They, they don't know what they are this year. They're all over the place. Defensively, in attack. I actually think there. you show more passion for the Titans than you do the Dogs. Are you sure you're not a Titans supporter? I think I'm a Jim Dimmick supporter. I think you might be. I think you might be. So, yeah, hey, the Bulldogs won. Yeah, but what about those Titans? Um did you this see the 12 could... tries they put on in the last seven minutes? <laughs> well, you remember what happened with this game last time when they played? Was it at Bathurst, was it? Yeah. Um, not Bathurst, Seagulls. Um, Tamworth. It, it literally was like, could have been 100 nil. <laughs> the Titans yeah. just were terrible. I'm tipping Manly. I think they'll win easily, but honestly, who the bloody hell knows? Yeah, fair enough. All right. More hard-hitting analysis from your favourite podcasters. That does bring us <laughs> to the end of another G&T show. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you again next week. Thank you, G. Thank you. I'll be waiting for your email. See you later. (laughs) See you. Bye.